You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwash minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national and international events this to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week. Yes, we are playing with the microphone. It's got brewer's droop, but we'll sort it out. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's Anarchist World this week. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne via the Community Radio Network. It's broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network in many community radio stations in every state and territory. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast within the next 24 hours by going to 3cr.org.au. And if you're wondering what anarchy is all about, no, it's not about mastering technology. Anarchism is a very simple concept. It's about creating a society without rulers. It comes from the ancient Greek, anarchos. And you've noticed that we've got an R and an S. It's not against rules, which a lot of people think it is. It's against rulers. So what is the anarchist struggle? The anarchist struggle is to share power and show, share wealth because it's inequalities in power and wealth which give rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people. So, keep listening to The Anarchist World this week. This program has been broadcast for over 40 years from the uh, 3CR and almost, I think, over 15 years in the Community Radio Network. Now, if during the course of the program, you know, you kind of got a little bit of interest in what we're talking about, there are, I'll mention a few uh, phone numbers addresses, and the list goes on and on, how you can actually further your knowledge about the things I am looking at, not discussing, but looking at. Now, a great time, isn't it, in human history? Because I think for the first time in human history, people are beginning to realise that we're the people we've been waiting for. It's not our religious leaders. It's not our non-religious leaders. It's not about the current institutions. It's not about the parliamentary process. But we are the people we've been waiting for. And it's um, interesting to note that for far too long, Australians, especially Australians, have been looking around and saying, somebody should do something about that. Somebody should do something about that. And then there are others that are a little bit more, you know, a little bit more active and they say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. 
So when you look at the Australian society, irrespective of whether you're born here, whether you're a First Nations person, uh, whether you're an immigrant, whether you're children of immigrants, it seems to be the two greatest, the most populous tribes in Australian society are the somebody should do something about that tribe and I'm going to do something about that tribe. And unfortunately, while these two tribes flourish, they are flourishing in 2021, nothing will change. It's quite fascinating to see how a small minority of people have got really, really upset about uh, COVID-19, vaccines, and the list goes on and on. It would have been wonderful to see these same people involved in struggles that we've been involved in over the decades to devolve power and share wealth. But it's a uh, reality we all need to face. Now, what do climate change, ecosystem failure and growing inequality have to do, have in common? Think about it. Climate change, ecosystem failure and growing inequality. Simple concepts, or as we're told, they're you know complex things we can't actually do anything about. Well, climate change or a climate emergency, and ecosystem failures, and um, growing inequality have one thing in common: one thing: capitalism, private investment for private profit. We find ourselves in this situation in 2021. Because over the last 40 years, all the processes that were put in place to regulate and keep capitalism in check have been removed via legislation in most countries around the world, whether it's so-called communist China, Russia's uh, Putin's Russia, Morrison's Australia. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people's ethnic origins is, the language they speak. When we look at capitalism, it's universal. Private investment for private profit. So when you have an economic system and a social system and a cultural system, which is dominated with the idea that we need to make a profit, then you create the social conditions which allow a climate emergency to develop, which allow ecosystems to fail and which allow growing inequality to grow in society. And if you look at 2021, you look at the world, irrespective of COVID-19 or no COVID-19, it's the same, it's the same issue. Unfortunately, Most people think it's nothing to do with capitalism. It's about human greed. It's about failures of individuals. It's about governments that are not willing to tackle particular issues. But ultimately, it's up to us because we're the people we've been waiting for. So if you want to tackle climate, the emergency, if you want to tackle ecosystem failures, if you want to tackle growing inequality... We need to turn our attention to the role capitalism plays in our lives, in the lives of the communities we live in, in the lives of sovereign nation states and in the lives of the planet. And I'll give you a few examples. 
Now, when you live in a society which is dominated by the concept of creating a profit, it really doesn't matter how you create that profit and the consequences that occur as a result of that creation of that profit, whether it's climate change or uh, ecosystem failure or growing inequality, doesn't really matter. What matters is the system itself. And when you have governments, whether they call themselves democratic, as in um, representative democratic societies, or whether they call themselves dictatorships, or, um, you know, dictatorship of the proletariat, or whatever they like to call themselves, when you've got centralised governments, where power is centralised, and the state apparatus is used to give the private sector its head, where regulations are removed where government-owned assets are privatised, where globalisation becomes the name of the game and corporatisation, the logical endpoint of uh, unbridled capitalism, dominates the economic system, you get the situation we find ourselves in. And whether anything comes out of Glasgow, anything comes out of the push for net zero emissions in 2050, is not dependent on new technology technological innovations or dependent on us as a people not changing the way we live, but it's really dependent on major structural change. While we have an economic system which is based on the concept of creating profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental and cultural costs, then we will continue down this pathway. It's interesting that as people talk about a green energy and net zero emissions, the discussion isn't about capitalism, the domination of the planet by an economic system which is based on creating profits irrespective of the consequences but the discussion is about making profits. It's about centralising green energy production. It's about corporatising green energy production. It's not about decentralisation and decorporatization. It's about all about centralising power in fewer and fewer hands. So think about it. If you are interested in doing something about the climate emergency, if you are interested in ecosystem failure, if you're interested in doing something about growing inequality in our society and all the consequences of growing inequality, the social dislocation that occurs as a, as a consequence of growing inequality, the greater powers that are handed to the uh, enforcement agencies in the country with growing inequality, then I think you should seriously consider joining organisations which raise the issue of capitalism as a central issue. Because if we're not willing to face this central issue, nothing will ever change. We'll see more of the same. We'll see more deregulation, more privatisation, more corporatisation, more globalisation, more wealth and power being concentrated in fewer and fewer hands. Now, an organisation I'm involved with, and obviously there are many organisations around the country that are working in various ways to tackle 
capitalism itself, not just the problems which are created by capitalism, but capitalism itself. There are many organisations, but one that I'm involved with is public interest before corporate interests. And obviously, we have an agenda which goes beyond parliamentary politics, an agenda which incorporates strikes, occupations, community actions, protests, and the list goes on and on. So if you're interested in learning more about public interest before corporate interests, I encourage you to go to the website, pipcpibci.net, pipcpibci.net. If you want to join, you can always download an application form and send it virtually. And if you're not uh, in the computer world or refuse to be in the computer world, incorporate to the computer world, you can always leave a message on 0439395489, and I'll post you out a few application forms, or you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You got that warm inner glow that comes with a federal election? Well, I don't actually have it at the minute, but the current government has a plan. It has a program. It has a plan. It has a program. They might not know what it is, but I know what it is. It's a little bit convoluted, but it's all about creating a warm inner glow in the Australian people. They want us to forget. They want us to forget the last three years. They want us to forget the way COVID-19 pandemic was tackled. They want us to forget growing inequality. They want us to forget climate change. And it's all based on the 30 pieces of silver syndrome. Now, those who haven't got a Christian background or aren't Christians may not remember the 30 pieces of silver story in the Bible. It's a very simple story. Judas betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. He felt pretty bad about it later on, but, you know, 30 pieces of silver were pretty good. So as we approach the federal election, which will be in May next year after the federal budget, which will be full of lots of goodies to give us a warm inner glow, so we will re-elect the Liberal National Party has the uh, legislators for the next three years, you are going to see a lot of promises. A lot of promises. And these promises are based around the fact that they think there'll be some type of economic recovery after the COVID-19 lockdowns, especially in New South Wales and Victoria. And if there's an economic recovery, there may be a lot more pieces of silver in people's pockets. And they may thank Mr Morrison, the liar, for the situation they find themselves in and vote for the Liberal National Party. So get ready for that warm inner glow. Now, if you're on a Social Security benefit, uh, I'm sorry, you may not get that warm inner glow. That excludes 30% of the population. If you're a trade unionist or a wage earner, you may not get that warm inner glow. But if you're that 8% of Australians who's got disposable income to invest, ah, you'll get a very beautiful warm inner glow. And if you're that 1% that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, you'll be dancing naked in the rain. You'll be so happy. Think about it. Watching Gina and Kerry and 
Mr. Packer and all the rest of them dancing naked in the rain. It's enough to uh, make you bring up your breakfast. Ah, well, so get ready for the warm inner glow federal election in May 2022. And just in case you thought it was safe to put your hand up as far as a federal election candidate is concerned, ah, they've changed the rules. They've changed the rules so little people like you and me can't even play. We can't get onto the playing field. We don't fit the criteria. Membership numbers for political parties have increased from 500 to 1,500. That's a good one. And there's lots of other little bits and pieces they do, like there's a uh, incentive, incentive, a uh, financial disincentive, I should say, to stand. Uh, it's interesting. So if you're concerned that there is increased dissatisfaction in the electorate, well, one way to ensure that the same people turn up for the electoral farce, well, it's by changing the rules to ensure only certain groups are able to participate. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, the program that gives you a warm inner glow as the federal election approaches in, 20, in May 2022. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Oscar. I'm hosting today's program. You can access the program by going to 3cr.org.au, Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public, um, Instagram, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, YouTube channel, and the list goes on and on and on. Not that I think having a uh, presence in the virtual world makes much difference. It may give you a voice, but in terms of uh, action, I've noticed that the... Uh, the greater the presence in the virtual world, the less action we actually see. When does win-win equals lose-lose? You like that? There's an, a lot of riddles today. When does win-win equal lose-lose? You've heard of win-win? Heard of lose-lose? Well, we're told we're going to win-win and we're going to win big and we're going to win big because we have a climate emergency, because we've got ecosystem failures. We're going to win big. And the great thing about living in Morrison's Australia in 2021 is that we can make a buck. That's right. We can make a buck from the climate emergency. We can make a killing. We don't have to change anything. Business as usual. Business as usual. Full steam of head. Profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental consequences. No change necessary. Few technological innovations and hey, presto, everybody benefits. Well, it's not like that, is it? It's really a lose-lose situation. It's not a win-win situation. But the trouble is that as temperatures increase... The people who bear the burden are not those that dominate the economic system and not those that dominate the political system. The people who bear the burden are those who have the least. And that's what we saw with the COVID-19 pandemic. It wasn't the rich and famous who bared 
the burden. We saw the famous turning up uh, as uh, rules were modified for them as far as COVID-19 was concerned, but rules weren't modified for people whose parents were dying in the state. Couldn't even hold their parents' hand when they died. But we could modify the rules to let somebody in to play a tennis game or uh, do a movie. And when it came to uh, the financial burden, it wasn't the large corporations. They made a killing out of COVID-19. We had uh, corporations that, you know, double their profits, triple their profits. And the great thing is about, you know, tripling your profits and doubling your profits is, although you're not entitled to it, you don't have to give it back. It's not like robo-debt. It's not like being handed for the, by the tax department for a few hundred bucks or being handed by, handed by a Centrelink for a few hundred bucks. You get billions of dollars. You put it in your pocket, and unless you've got a moral fibre in your bean, you can keep the money. Win-win situation. So it's been a win-win situation for those who exercise power and control wealth, and a lose-lose situation for those who don't have any disposable income. And we've seen it with the housing market, as we spoke about last week, the 12, 22, you know, the, the fancy numbers, not 42, the meaning of life, but 12 and 42 over the, and 22 over the last 12 months, housing prices have increased by 22%. Wow, cheap money, cheap money made out of thin air and housing prices increase. So win-win equals lose-lose. For example, I mean, sovereign nation states have the capacity to create money. That's what we see with the Reserve Bank. And these days, you don't, don't even have to print it. What you do is you, you know, you set a little number on a computer and say to the privately owned banks, here's some money, lend it to the losers out there. All right? That's you and me, you know, the losers, those that need money. But the reality is... So why should this money, which has been created out of thin air by reserve banks around the world, be used to support the private sector, be used to keep the capitalist system humming, when the same money could actually be used by the government of the day to create infrastructure and give financial support to people? It's an interesting dilemma, isn't it? Why is it that every time there is some type of legislative initiative, it always seems to benefit those who have disposable income? And every time there is a legislative initiative concerning people on Social Security benefits, they seem to lose out. Or a legislative initiative, as far as most uh, working people is concerned, they seem to lose out. Win-win equals lose-lose. Another example of win-win equals lose-lose. Now, I am really, really, really happy. Yeah, maybe I'm lying. But I'm really happy to hear Mr Morrison and the Liberal National Party talk about the fact they don't want to force business to do this or force people to do that. They don't think legislation is appropriate. It's all about self-regulation. We don't really want to put any uh, impediments in the way of people making a buck. Let them go, f- go hell for leather and it'll all be all right, okay? Win-win situation if you have disposable income, if you're a corporation or a large business organisation. But if you're a trade union, 
Oh, oh, don't let those bastards, you know, free. Let's tie them up in legislative restrictions so striking is illegal outside an enterprise bargaining agreement period in this country. Let's pass such such uh, draconian legislation that members of the CFMEU have less legal rights than a drug importer who imports a billion dollars worth of uh, heroin because they've got the right to remain silent while the CFMEU members don't have the right to remain silent. And the list goes on and on. So as far as the legislative agenda is concerned, it always seems to be that there's a win-win situation as far as those who exercise power and control wealth is concerned and a lose-lose situation for those who are getting trying to obtain a little bit of bigger share of the cake. It seems to be the reality of the day. But the fact is, and this is what they want us to think, the fact is there is another way. We're told there is no other way now, no other way. The only way through the dilemmas we find ourselves in currently is through giving capitalism free reign. We're told there is no other way, no other way. Historically, human beings have lived in many different economic, social and cultural settings. There are many other ways. I mean, the ways we talk about may not suit them who currently centralise power and control wealth distribution, but there are other ways. For example, simple way, we want to... We could introduce a universal basic income tomorrow. Not next week, tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow. And how do you do it? How do you finance it? Simply, we saw it during COVID-19 to some degree. We saw it. You finance it very simply. You finance it by putting a 1% tax on stock market transactions, $30, $40 billion every year. Cha-ching. You finance it by a 1% tax on financial transaction. Cha-ching. Bang. Another $100 billion. Simple. It's not a matter of that we can't do it. It's a matter of political will. It's a matter of people being in Parliament passing legislation. It doesn't take a bloody revolution with guillotines around the place and tumbrils, you know, dragging people to their execution. That's all crap. All it is, it's a legislative effort. And if people don't see that private investment for private profit is the fundamental problem that we face as a society, well, then people don't look at it. Other alternatives, for example, look at the superannuation industry. $3 trillion in the superannuation industry, looking for things to buy. I mean, superannuation is nothing but the privatisation of old age. In the past, when you got elderly in this country, you got a pension. It wasn't great, but it was enough to survive on. Today, money is taken out of your wage compulsorily, and remember they don't want to do things, compel people to do things, but when it comes to using money to keep the stock market turning over and, you know, continue this this little journey to the, uh, on the last train to hell, well, you know, we all pass legislation. It's a great way. Your money is then used to grease the wheels of the very system that creates growing inequality 
ecosystem failure and climate emergency. It's a wonderful system and it's all mandated. That's the word of the day, isn't it? Mandate. It's all mandated that you have to do it. And if you don't do it, well, there are consequences. So it's, it's fascinating the way it all ties in. And that's the key, the way it all ties in. It's a win-win situation for those who control wealth and exercise power. It's a lose-lose situation for others. But what you need to do, if you want to get that warm inner glow as we come nearer and nearer to May 2022, what you need to do is you need to muddy the waters. You need to muddy the waters. You need to pull out the racist card. You need to pull out the bash First Nations people card. You need to pull out the COVID-19 card, you know, where people are getting upset. Now, over things, I'll give you an example. Now, I'm fully vaccinated and I've got no problems with being fully vaccinated. And I'll tell you why I'm fully vaccinated. And I'll tell you why I find it um, offensive that people who can be vaccinated aren't vaccinated. Now, if I went out in the street and I had a gun and I started shooting people, it wouldn't be long before I'd be taken out. It's that simple. All right? Fair enough. If I want to do that, that's a consequence. But if you make a decision not to be vaccinated and there's no medical reason you can't be vaccinated, you're making a decision because it's your rights, your liberties, right? The fact is the most fundamental right that we all have as human beings is the right to life. That's right. The right to life is fundamental. It is fundamental. It becomes before any other right. I mean, the Nazis took it a step further where they removed the right to life for certain sections of society. Jews, gypsies, anarchists, the list goes on and on. Disabled. They removed that fundamental right. Now, I support, and I've constantly supported, the right to abortion. If the fetus is non... If the fetus cannot survive on its own, the right to die, that's the right for, you you know, assisted dying or euthanasia, the right to refuse medical treatment, because these are individual rights. Apart from the impact they have on the individual and the few people around them, they are not dangerous to the population as a, as a whole. But when you refuse to vaccinate because you think it is your right not to vaccinate, the fact is, is it your right to spread an infection which could kill other people? Isn't it grossly selfish to exercise that right? Think about it. Think about it. Isn't it grossly selfish? It's about me. Me. What? Just my rights. Not the rights of the people around me not to get sick, not to die. Now, obviously, if I go out, as I said before, for a gun and started shooting people, sooner or later I'll get a bullet in my head and that'll be the end of me. And most people will, well, 99.100% of people will say, ah, oh, well, that's what he deserved. Why did he go out there 
and started shooting people, you know? What's his beef? What's going on? So if you think that your individual right supersedes the right of the people around you to survive and live, think again. So I vaccinated for a number of reasons. I vaccinated to protect myself, my family, my friends, my political colleagues, society as a whole, and ultimately, when enough people get vaccinated, to protect those people who don't want to be vaccinated for a variety of ideological, cultural, or whatever reasons. So rights are definable, and the right to life is the fundamental right. All other rights derive from that right. You can't exercise a right if you don't recognise that right. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Win-win, lose-lose. Yep, I love privatisation. I really love privatisation. When Mr Howard, our former Prime Minister, you know, waiting the wings to go to heaven at the minute, when Mr Howard was looking around for things to privatise, he discovered the airports. They're all owned by the Commonwealth Government. It makes sense, doesn't it? If you live on an island and most of the way people get in and out of the country is through the aircraft and airports, it does make sense for the government of the day, the federal government of the day, to own the airports. See, and all the airports were profitable. Profitable. Currently, Sydney Airport is being snapped up by a private consortium for the ridiculous price of $27 billion. Remember the good old days when we used to talk about million dollars? Now, I mean, a three-bedroom home in a within 20 k's of a major CBD, you'd be lucky to get anything under a million dollars. So Sydney Airport, $27 billion. Now let's remember, when these airports were privatised, the amount of money which came back into the Treasury was infinitesimal. Every airport that was sold around the country, the money which was raised wouldn't even be 10 to 15% of the $27 billion which has now been offered for Sydney Airport. So public assets do have a function. They have a very important function because public assets guarantee access. Now, airports are quite interesting conglomerations. They can't talk about competition because normally there's no competition between airports. Because usually every capital city has one airport or every major regional town has one airport. So there's no competitive factors involved. So that what means is what that means is that airports can be money making cash cows. Money making cash cows for private industry. And no wonder they're going for twenty seven billion dollars. No wonder. So think of all the public assets that have been sold over the past 40 years during the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, bonanza that has swept the country. Think of all those airports. Think of all those aeroplanes. 
Think of all those telecommunications networks, all those electricity substations, all those gas infrastructure, all those facilities, Medicare, Medibank Private, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Think of what's going to happen to the the NDIS and the list goes on and on. Think about it. Think about it. Think of the privatisation of the old aged care sector. Think of the privatisation of Centrelink. Think of the privatisation of uh, early childhood uh, development. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Think of the privatisation of the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories by the uh, Mr Keating in the 90s, just when we needed a government-owned serum laboratory to produce vaccines, just when we needed it, we had to rely on the private sector. Think about it. Think about all these organisations. Think of the Commonwealth Bank. All these organisations which were returning money to the Treasury, which were making money, sold for a pittance, sold at bargain basement prices, not because the country needed the money, but because of ideological concerns and because people felt that this is the way forward. Give the corporate sector its head, remove the regulations, privatise public assets which have been built up through generations, the blood, sweat and tears of generations of taxpayers in this country, and hey, presto, it'll all be good. And look at what's happening now. Cash cows. Cash cows for the private sector. CSL. Selling price $2.70. Current selling price per share around $300. And the list goes on and on. Think about it. Think about it. Think about what's happened. Sydney Airport bought for, you know, less than a billion dollars. Now they sell it 30 years later or 20 years later. $27 billion. Inflation hasn't gone up, you know, 27 times, has it? And the list goes on and on. So you've all been sold a pup. Anybody who believed that privatisation would decrease prices, increase competition, solve growing inequality in the the world, well, it's been a political, cultural, social cul-de-sac around and around and around and around, people enriching themselves at the expense of the public. That's right, the public, the great mass of people. It looks like we've learnt nothing. We've learnt nothing. COVID-19 doesn't seem to have taught us anything. We're all waiting for the big economic recovery. All that pent-up, what they call pent-up pressure in terms of putting your hands in your pocket and buying shit you don't need on a credit card or one of these fancy, you know, uh, new um, facilities. Lay-by, I call them lay-by facilities. It's just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. And what happens in in societies generally? It's all about being socially progressive. Currently, we have the socially progressive, economically conservative revolt in Liberal Party heartland across the country. 
Liberal National Party, socially conservative, economically conservative. Some of their more erudite followers, socially progressive. And we all clap our hands. Isn't that wonderful? They're socially progressive. You know, they're socially progressive. But when it comes to economics, when it comes to the lifeblood of existence in a capitalist society, the ability to have disposable income so you can enjoy the good things in life and ensure that your kids get educated and you actually get buried or cremated when you die, well, they don't give a shit. It's all very well to be socially progressive, but if you're not economically progressive at the same time, what's the point? What's the point? All you do is reinforce inequality. Ultimately, it doesn't matter the colour or the language spoken or the sexual preference or the sexual orientation of the person with their foot on your neck. What matters is the fact they've got a foot on your neck. And being socially progressive does nothing to remove that foot on people's neck. It may give you that warm inner glow you need in order to survive as a human being, but there's very little, very little to change reality for the majority of people in this country. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, occasionally, I get a bit of a laugh. Yes, at my age, you need a bit of a laugh. It's not all... Gloom, gloom, sad, sad. I'm not gloomy and I'm sad. I'm just, uh, I'm not cynical, disillusioned, sad, gloomy. I mean, cynical, disillusioned people are the very fodder which those who exercise power and centralise wealth need in order to continue their shenanigans. They need you to be cynical and disillusioned. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I didn't vote and I don't vote. Look at me. Then you say to look at me, well, um, what else have you done? Oh, isn't that enough? Oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. I don't want a vaccine. Oh, what else have you done? Oh, do I need to do anything else? Obviously, we're in a situation where Cynicism and disillusionment is the aphrodisiac of those who exercise power. I'm not cynical. I'm not disillusioned. I'm annoyed. I'm angry. I'm not even frustrated. Annoyed and angry that we continue the same farce. Well, we have a government that claims they've got a climate change or a climate emergency policy when they don't actually have a climate change policy. And every time they, they announce a new policy, it's nothing more than the same crap. Win-win, no change. And this highlight, nothing highlights this more than the, uh, the National Party Minister in the Cabinet now, Mr Pitt, the Minister for Resources and Water Minister. Now I was, yeah, look I hate to say this, I was actually listening to Mr Pitt being interviewed on um, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. He made a very, a very, a very telling statement, and he reminded me of a drug dealer. Now, I'm, I'm, I know he's not a drug dealer, but I'm just, a, I'm just drawing an analogy. He said, when it came to coal, 
if they're buying, we're selling. All right? If they're buying, we're selling. It's the same type of philosophy that, you know, a drug dealer uses. If, if you're buying, I'm selling. You know, you want meth? I'll sell you meth. You want heroin? I'll sell you heroin. You want cocaine? I'll sell you cocaine. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you do with it. I don't care if you die, as long as you give me the cash, boy. All right? I don't care. It's the same with coal. And the damage caused by fossil fuels is damage which will be felt by every human being on the planet. But as far as Mr Pitt is concerned, the National Party uh, minister, who's responsible for resources and water, who's now in the cabinet, in a cabinet, as far as he is concerned, it's okay. If they want coal, we'll give them coal. I don't give a shit what happens. We'll give them coal. They've got the money, we've got the coal. This is the mentality that this particular political ideology, which is dominant in our society today, the ideology to create profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental and cultural costs, this ideology is what runs through every government and opposition policy. If they're buying, we're selling. We're not going to make any decisions. We're going to let the market decide. If there's a buck in it, we'll do it. If I've got to sell my grandmother's tattoos to make a buck, I'll make a buck. If I've got to pawn the baby, I'll pawn the baby. This is the mentality. This is the mentality. No wonder we're never able to address adequately any of the major issues which confront us ever as human beings and as a society. Think about it. We're never able to confront any issues. Why do we continue to have growing inequality in a society that's potentially so rich? Why do we continue to allow our resources, especially our mineral resources, which are a great income stream, to be developed, monopolised, profited by a, a small number of people when we could do it as a nation ourselves and put the profit in a common fund to fund a universal basic income? Think about it. This is the philosophy. Private investment private profit, don't care about the consequences, forget about making any climate change, uh, changes before 2030, we're going to all cram it in between just before 2050, like, you know, cramming before an exam, all right? We've got this warm inner glow, there's a federal election coming, more of the same, more of the same. And it's funny, I've always found it's really funny. When it comes to addressing things like Poverty, child poverty, growing inequality, access to housing, uh, indebtedness, and the list goes on and on. Oh, uh, it's too hard. Oh, oh, we can't do anything about it. it. It's just, it's just beyond our reach. You know, no other way. Can't do anything about it. But when it comes to supporting people who are making billions of dollars by exploiting their fellow citizens, nothing is good enough. Do you want new tax legislation to ensure you can legally minimise your tax? Do you want a bit more money from us during the COVID-19 pandemic? Do you want us to remove that nasty regulation which stops you from exploiting the environment? Do you want us to hog-tie the trade union movement so they can't take any action to ensure 
that your profits are affected. I mean, I'll give you an example, a simple example. Currently, everybody in business is screaming, screaming that we need more people in this country. We need to open the doors, not just to skilled labour, but to anybody, you know, as long as they're on a temporary visa. You know, we don't want them to live here, do we? We wouldn't want that. It's not pleasant. But we need their hands to work. But how about policies which would lead to increased wages growth, which has stopped in the last 20 years, hmm? so that people could address the growing issue of debt? How about policies which would create a viable public housing sector for people who can't afford to buy private housing? How about policies which provide seeding funding to collectives and cooperatives to create a third arm of the economy, not just the economy which is dominated by the private sector and a very rapidly shrinking public sector? How about policies which would see the monopolies which are exercised by a few corporations and individuals in this country's resources being removed? And the profits shared equally. Hmm? We never hear those policies, but we always hear policies about leaners, dull bludgers, social security, you know, people who rip off the social security system, and the list goes on and on. But never any policies that challenge those people who exercise power in this country. And that's because... We've got a political system which focuses on the ephemeral. Now, if you look at the so-called independents and minor parties, in federal parliament especially, you'll find that most of them are basically economically conservative and socially conservative. It looks like every time there's some type of alternative, it moves further and further to the conservative and reactionary thing, you know, uh, level, you know. It's all about race and colour and ethnicity and whatever. Extraordinary. Extraordinary situation we find ourselves in. As I said before, to a large degree, this is because we belong in a society where the two largest tribal groups are the Gunner tribe and the somebody should do something about that tribe. And people now who are emerging from the woodwork who say, me, me, I'm the centre of the universe... I'm an individual, I have rights, Uh, these uh, so-called rights supersede your right to exist. It's my right to spread a virus. It's my right to do this and my right to do that, forgetting that the basic fundamental human right is the right to exist. Why do we find ourselves in this situation? Why don't we see hundreds of thousands of people out in the streets, you know, demanding an end? to the charade between First Nations people and the rest of the society? Why don't we see hundreds of thousands of people out in the street demanding an end to child poverty, a million children in a population of 25 million living under the poverty line? Why don't we see people out in the streets demanding that this country's natural resources go back into the hands of the people through forced nationalisation? Why don't we see hundreds of thousands of people every day out on the streets 
demanding an end to social security exploitation. We don't see them. They're not there. They don't exist. It's part of our cultural background. It's our inability to see that we are part of a society and that all we all have an exceptionally important role to play. And if we think democracy is about casting a ballot for a political representative every three to four years, think again. Democracy is much more than that. It's about active participation in the political process and disillusionment, cynicism, an inability to grasp um, the fundamental questions which face us is to our own detriment as individuals, as communities and as a society in general. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. As I said before, if you're interested in getting involved, there are many organisations around the country which speak similarly to what I speak. Look at them. If they're interesting, join them. If you want to join public interest before corporate interest, go to the website, pipsy.net. And don't forget, tomorrow is the 11th of November. The 11th of November celebrates. We celebrate it tomorrow here in Melbourne, and you can celebrate it in your part of Australia, anywhere you like. We'll be celebrating at the little quadrangle next to the Tanaminaway and Moorbohina Monument at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street. We celebrate the formation of the Ballarat Reform League, the organisation behind the Eureka Rebellion, formed on the 11th of November, 1854. We commemorate the hanging of Ned Kelly on the 11th of November, 1880, in Pentridge Prison. We commemorate the end of World War I on the 11th of November, 1918, Armistice Day, when people, the war fought by workers at either end of the bayonet for the glory of God, king and country, came to an end. And we, commem- and we, celebrate, and we commemorate the forced eviction of the Whitlam-led Labor government on the 11th of November 1975, the most progressive government, although obviously it's had, it had issues since Federation. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Don't ring and don't, if you ring and don't leave a message, I won't ring back. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at com, pipsy.net. Download the application form, pipsy.net. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. This program has been coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access it by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week, next week, on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen 
the anarchist Woolworths Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.